Hey guys, welcome back to Basic Snitches. This is Adam Bowers. And, and this is Tara Corkery. Yeah, I like to be introduced. Thank you. <laughs> you were the one who introduced me first. I know, it was, it was, it was nice. We'd like to thank both of you for tuning in today. <laughs> thank you all two of our listeners so far. Yay! Obviously, we don't know if that's true. We haven't published one. <laughs> we of haven't these actually yet. published yet, but we think we're funny. So anyway, um, we're going to jump right in to recording today. And the first thing we're going to do is recap the chapter that we are talking about today, which is chapter two of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, The Vanishing Glass. Yes, and it is my turn to write the summary for Territory. So here you go. Thank you. Okay. Um, We fast forward nine years and find that Harry is now grown and... The bitches put him in the cupboard under the stairs. As in, this is where Harry primarily lives. It happens to be his cousin Dudley's birthday, who is apparently quite fluffy now. He comes to talk about how he's fat. (laughs) Fluffy Dudley is angry because he got only 36 birthday presents. But he eats a mountain of bacon, so everything is okay. (laughs) The bitches praise their fluffy mini-bitch for being so greedy. Now it's time to go to the zoo. Uh, Is that lonely? Wait, let me see. Lonely, right? Lovely. Oh, lovely. Because she's a cat lady. We're leaving this all in. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely Mrs. Fig broke her leg, and some bitch named Yvonne is in Majorca, so Harry has to go with them, and Fluffy Dudley's friend Pierce... No, not Pier- Pierce Morgan, some other rancid dick named Pierce. But not before Aunt Petunia practically scalps Harry. Fucking Vernon complains some more and doesn't know what a dream is. <laughs> Fluffy Duddykins has a tantrum about food. Finally, they make their way to the reptile house where Harry... Sorry. Something to person. the... Oh, Harry. Where are you? Here. <clears throat> oh, what the fuck does that say? Ah ha ha! Harry. Beelines. Oh, he, Beelines. Harry Beelines to the largest boa constrictor and starts something and. Hissing. Sh- oh, hissing. Duh, okay. And starts hissing and shattering to him. Like a good Slytherin. Ah, I'm, I'm getting your joke. I'm sorry I ruined it. <laughs> Fluffy Duddykins interrupts their conversation like a bitch, and suddenly the glass for the snake enclosure vanishes. Okay, I get it. That's where the title of this chapter is, The Vanishing Glass. Anyway, the snake escapes, Harry gets in trouble, and Dick Hole Vernon asks for a large brandy, the only relatable thing he's ever done. The end. The end of chapter two, which I really loved this. I thought that was very fun. Thank you. I picked up on details. We are, we're very fun people. Oh, yes. So, for chapter two, we are just going to jump right into a little discussion. I just want to start off by saying... I know we met him last chapter, but now we have Harry and he's not an infant sleeping on a doorstep. He's a real being. And 
what a fucking awful life for him. <laughs> like, I mean, even everything oh. down to like picking the spider off of his socks to no. I mean, clearly the way that Vernon and Petunia treat him in comparison to Dudley on his birthday, you get that right off the bat. Um, It's really sad because, like, the very first part of the chapter is about um, how there's no signs that another boy live in the house. And you're like, that's really sad that you're so ashamed of this child that has done zero to to be deserving of this kind of treatment. That's just, like, the first thing I pick up on because they're the worst. Really, the thing about this is that's really what the chapter is. It's just them continuing to be the worst. And now we get to see how they're the worst towards Harry, who, by the way, gets to have a book series written about him. So the Dursleys are doing it wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> he, he doesn't know that yet, though. Right off the bat, obviously, you see all the family pictures. And it alludes to Dudley being like a pink beach ball or something like that. Yeah. And that's all you ever see. Yeah, she makes a um, lot of a lot of comparisons about him being fluffy. Right. As you like to say. I preferred fluffy. Because <laughs> while Dudley is clearly a little dick, I think that it's a cheap shot almost to, Yeah, sure. For the villain to be fat. Yeah, you know. well, at the end of the, at the end of the day, obviously he's not really the villain, so picking on him for True. that sucks. Um, this is the first time I've actually read this chapter and thought about just how Vic Dudley is almost a victim of his parents, and it's really interesting because in a couple chapters, when we meet Hagrid, he'll say something about how Dudley has turned out, and even more so, very far down the road, the Dursleys will again will be spoken to by Dumbledore that time who basically say, yeah, you didn't do anything good for this kid either. Which is really interesting because the first, this is your first real interaction with them and Dudley too, because Dudley is also an infant in the first chapter. But in this chapter, he is being spoiled for his birthday. Like the fact that that his reaction to only having 36 birthday presents is to throw a tantrum is a problem. As I'm not a parent, unless you count my cat. Like I'm not a parent. (laughs) That counts. That does count. My, my cat is, is my baby. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he's, he's not innocent of it, but at the same time, like, the fact that he has reached 11 years old and, yeah, you know. I, that might be, like, the first question that I have is what other abuse has he had to um, survive to get to this point, you know? Like, this is Dudley's birthday, so you got to imagine this has got to be probably one of the days where the focus is the least on Harry. Maybe this is actually one of the best days for Harry because there's so little focus on him. Yeah. And we learn that Mrs. Fig, who we learn a little later on is part of the wizarding world as well, gets to look after Harry. And she is referred to a little bit more muggly in this episode about her house smelling like cabbage. But that's probably a little bit of a reprieve even from what he experiences. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because he doesn't say, and like, I don't want to get too much into Mrs. Fig because um, that was one of the coolest things ever later on. But he's, he definitely is not super gracious about Mrs. Fig, but I think he's not... He's not like, oh, but it's the worst ever because he recognizes that his other option is here. And, you know, it's like, she's not unkind to him. It's just not his ideal place, which is very important to remember, like, a 10-year-old and 
and the types of things that they're interested in. And, and Harry never gets to be like that. He mm-hmm. never gets to be a 10-year-old with interests and stuff. He never gets to be a five-year-old or a six-year-old or whatever with interests. Every year on Dudley's birthday, he hangs out with a woman whose house smells funny to him. Probably because he's used to a house that is like smells like Mr. Clean or whatever they use in Britain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but... Because Aunt Petunia is, like, crazy about cleaning stuff or whatever. It's not his comfort zone. Because I'm always like, Harry, be gracious. You know, you don't have to be with the with the Dursleys. But when you finally get to not be treated like shit, you're like, cool, I'm going to go to this place that doesn't interest me where this woman talks about her cats. But he's not unkind about it in the narration. Well, anyway. and then it makes me think of, like, other people who are unfortunately held against their will or perhaps they don't even know what the expectation of being a five or six or nine year old is maybe he just thinks this is normal i mean that's always a possibility that is that that is well and i i think that that's very likely yeah you know so there's Mrs. Fig that they bring up, and then there's their friend Yvonne, and then Marge, who, of course, we learn a lot about that bitch later on as well. <clears throat> and basically, it's them just going through, like, we can't possibly take him to the zoo and give him something fun to do. We want to not worry about him. Blowing and, up the house. Right, and which is really rude. Like, what? Did something happen? <laughs> that no, I Harry, don't, Harry I don't think that house? anything happened. I think that, I think that they just, you know, they just assume the worst with him, which I get when they're talking later on in the chapter, which is really cool for the reader, when they talk about all of the, like, obviously magical things to us that have like happened. Like he jumped on the roof. Like he jumps on the roof, and his hair grows back, and the the disgusting sweater, and all this cool stuff that, that like, he can't understand because he's a child, and we only understand because we know we're reading a book yeah. about, about wizards, you know? And that's the kind of stuff that happens. And also, like... They know he's a wizard. There, there's no way he's not a wizard, especially if this is the kind of stuff that's happening. So I guess that their fear that perhaps the house could explode. I don't think that they would ever think he did it on purpose, but they would love to blame him on for it because they hate him. Well, I see, I don't even know that because it <clears throat> even makes me think of things later on where this is something that happens primarily in the movies that I remember. Where, okay, a little bit of a spoiler alert, but then again, like we said in the first episode, if you're listening to this podcast, this should not be your first foray into the world of Harry Potter. And if but, it is, that's fun. Yeah, well, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you will have some strange opinions when you actually read the books, like you're supposed <laughs> to. But in a couple chapters, you know, Hagrid, in the movie, gives Dudley the, the pigtail. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, he says, hey, if that cousin of yours threatens you again or bullies you again, then tell him that you'll give him ears to match that tail. So I almost wonder, based on what the Dursleys think and how they act, if they really are just evil and they're like, oh, this this child doesn't know how to control his magic but let's blame him for it. Or if they really do think that he's doing this stuff on purpose. Right. I don't know that they care to analyze that question. No, I don't think so. They're like, this child can do magic. We don't like magic. End of discussion. Right. I think that's really what it is. They're just really awful. And repeat from last episode, they're negative assholes and we hate them. So they're going to the zoo. And right before they get ready to go to the zoo, Vernon's like, don't do stupid shit to Harry. And Harry's like, what the heck? And that's when they start talking about weird, weird things did happen to Harry, you know? And then he talks about how 
petunium made him cut his hair all terrible to like hide his scar but then cut everything else and it looked terrible but it all grew back and how she tried to squeeze this disgusting sweater onto him but it kept getting smaller and things like that and so then we kind of get that foray into all this weird stuff that happens to Harry. So they get in the car and they're they're driving to the zoo and that's when Harry mentions the motorcycle dream. It's also like reminds me of at the beginning of the chapter where they talk about how he's not allowed to ask questions, which is literally a thing that kids do. That kids do and also <laughs> yeah. the fact that Harry was not allowed to ask questions when he was growing up in like the years where kids need to be asking questions probably explains a lot of the stupid shit he does That's in all of the books point. that yes. happen afterward. That's exactly what I was thinking Because too. in the back of his mind, he's like, I'm not allowed to ask questions. Right. I imagine that that would... He like conditioned himself to not yeah, ask questions. He, probably not having that or being able to explore that curious side yeah. of a child maybe made yeah. him not a great student at Hogwarts. Right. I mean, I'm not I'm not forgiving him for not doing the shit he needed to do, but at the same time, like, that that had to have something to do with it. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely. So, there was one line in, in the chapter that kills me. Well, okay, there are several lines in the chapter that kill me at the end of the chapter, but in the middle of the chapter is when they're at the zoo and how they have lunch and Harry gets to finish Dudley's ice cream because it wasn't enough or something and he gets an actual treat and there's a line that says that Harry realized he should have known it was all too good to be true. That sucks. That sucks so much that you have a child that's like, this is a normal day for any child. And in the back of his mind, he's like, I should have known it was all too good to be true. What? Going to the zoo like a normal child is all too good to be true? It wasn't like he won the lottery and met the woman of his dreams and won the Super Bowl all in the span of three or four days. And that is, it's all too good to be true. Going to the zoo and having ice cream yeah. is a normal thing. And this poor child's like, oh, I guess it should have known. It's all too good to be true. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's so sad. Being to, like, exit his cupboard under the stairs. Right. And go out into public for All a too hours. good to be true. <laughs> yeah. Or, Ugh. like, even the, the point where <clears throat> they are buying Dudley the ice cream and the nice ice cream lady asks Harry what oh. he would like. And so they're forced to they're spend like, oh some money. Oh my god, on we have to buy him a little treat. It's so terrible. It's so weird. Not only are the Dursleys clearly horrible to him, <laughs> but they're trying to keep up appearances in this like weird way. They, oh right, we should buy you this thing. Like we want to abuse this child behind closed doors. And we're going to do it as much as we can outside. But if anybody, you know, approaches us about it, not saying that like if you abuse your kid inside, then you should do the same outside. Like, you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. It shines a weird light on the manipulativeness. Oh, okay. right. They're awful. They're I think that was, that was a big thing. And even just in these two short chapters, in the first chapter, I mean, barely showed how the Dursleys interact with Harry. But you still get an idea based on their... Wizarding World. Yeah. 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 And how they complain and just how they're terrible, negative people. But you automatically get the feeling of how they're going to treat Harry. Let's talk about the title of the chapter. The Vanishing Glass. The Vanishing Glass. Yeah. I have a question for you. Because the movie has kind of skewed my brain on it, and um, I'm excited to talk about that a little bit in a little bit. The snake and Harry don't actually speak before they acknowledge each other in the book. 
And my question is, does the snake sense that Harry has magical abilities or does he does he sense that Harry's a parcel mouth, which we don't get to discuss till the second book really, but yeah. obviously like we see it in this movie and in this book and in this story, you know. I almost wonder if Harry first hears the snake say something. That to me okay. feels like would be the first And then he like looks over at the snake and and they like yeah, notice each other. and then somehow Harry Just, talks back to the snake. Let me see if I can read exactly what it what yeah. it says in this book. Because when you're starting a conversation with somebody, and let's say <clears throat> you speak two different languages, I would assume, let's say you both speak Spanish, for example, and you are out in public and you hear someone else speak Spanish and you understand it, I feel like that would be the beginning of I mean, that conversation. Yeah, so this is what it says here in the book. Okay, so Dudley walks away after he says that the snake is boring. And Harry is like, I'll read the whole, the whole paragraph before. Harry moved in front of the tank and looked intently at the snake. He wouldn't have been surprised if it had died of boredom itself. No company except stupid people drumming their fingers on the glass, trying to disturb it all day long. It was worse than having a cupboard as a bedroom where the only visitor was Aunt Petunia hammering on the door to wake you up. At least he got to visit the rest of the house. The snake suddenly opened its beady eyes. Slowly, very slowly, it raised its head until its eyes were on a level with Harry's. It winked. Yeah. So probably not that. Right. I mean, <laughs> I but, but I don't, but I'm, I'm just curious. Like, obviously we don't know the well, answer to that. So that's why I was thinking, I'm like, I wonder, does he sense Harry's, like that Harry is magical? Because I would assume that animals can. Like we have, you know, again, we won't get into him, but like Crookshanks, in the third book is when we meet Crookshanks. He has a lot of instincts about people, not necessarily whether or not they're magical because he's only ever around yeah. magical people, but animals have instincts about people. Yeah. And so I wonder if the snake maybe does this to all magical people. And the coolest thing for the snake is that Harry also is able to communicate with it because he is a parcel mouth. That's possible too. I like this because there are two things that I had thought about. The first is that I've read things all about, you know, animals' instincts with like ghosts, for example. So mm -hmm. when I moved into my house, it's my first time buying a home and being somebody who has an interest in some supernatural stuff, my first thought was if it was haunted. But they say, you know, when um, an animal comes in contact with a spirit, they tend to have kind of strange behavior. They'll kind of look at nothing or a dog might bark or a cat might have some vocal reaction like a hiss or a growl or something like that. Clearly, like you said, animals do have some instincts having to do with humans, whether, you know, it's an actual human or energy. So that's the one thing. It's very interesting because in this world that J.K. Rowling has created, you have regular animals and then you have the magical creatures that we're, that we're meeting. But if you think about the founders of Hogwarts, all of their house crests are not magical creatures. They're yeah. a snake and a lion and an eagle and a badger. Why has the badger got to be last? I'm just kidding. Oh I know gosh. you didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> well, because I, I actually was trying to remember what Ravenclaw's was, and I didn't want to make it obvious that I didn't know what it was by saving it for last. So, <laughs> I, know what a, I know a badger is Hufflepuff. But you know what I'm saying? I think that that is, I think that's really interesting. And so I wonder if, and this is something that's not been discussed at all in the books, there might be some theories or whatever out there. I wonder if those four animals are also considered to have some kind of magical abilities mm -hmm. 
that are just not discussed in these books for whatever reason. Yeah. they're not necessary or whatever. Well, and I know and, that you're not a huge yeah. fan of me bringing up Ilvermorny either, but all of their animals tend to be a little bit more mythical. Yeah, those but, are all those are all magical yeah. creatures. Yeah, what the um, fuck is a pudgewudgie? Or I whatever? don't know. <laughs> Newt's commander will teach us someday. Yes. But, I know what a thunderbird is, but... Right, Frank. Fantastic Beasts. I'm spoiler. also part of House Thunderbird, so... Same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody and, I know who has taken that quiz is, on, is, is a thunderbird. thunderbird there's like one pudgewudgy and maybe one horned serpent and that's it like yeah. everyone is thunderbird so anyways so i don't know yeah i think that's really interesting and obviously like we learn that slytherin talked to snakes or whatever but well i'm glad you brought this up actually because my my second thought was a theory that um i had heard somewhere on the internet uh, um internet. i don't know if joe <laughs> actually confirmed this at any point Especially with, well, maybe maybe it is confirmed actually oh. because of because of crimes of Grindelwald, where Nagini is previously a human. Right now, the part that I don't think is confirmed is that this snake that he comes into contact with is Nagini. No, I definitely don't think that that is is the case. Because like, why? Well, first well, of all, he, it's this snake years. was bred in captivity. It even says, "Oh yeah, that's true." Or that's true. in the movie, it says bred in captivity. In the book, it says this. The specimen was brought to yeah, the zoo. It, yeah. So it, there's it no gives, way. It like, the location, too. Yeah, because Harry asks him, so um, actually where are you from? completely disproves that. Point. Right. So I don't think, yeah, where do you come from anyway? Was it nice there? Blah, blah, blah. The vocal stretcher jabbed its tail at the sign again, and Harry read on. This specimen was bred in the zoo. So yeah, that I, makes sense. So whatever that theory is, eh, debunked. But I, yeah, I guess um, combining those two theories disproves that one. Based on the reading, it's very clear that the the snake had some sort of instinct. Yeah. And that's what caused him to look up at That's Harry why I was first. like, well, maybe the snake just sensed that Harry was magical. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I mean, that's probably a thing. It doesn't need to be discussed in a book where everyone that you really interact with is magical. So just because it's not said right on the pages, sometimes animals can sense magical people. I don't necessarily think that it's completely out of context to assume that that snake just recognized Harry. Yeah, so then... Dudley's like, what? Wow, the snake's looking at Harry. And then he runs over and pushes him out of the way and the glass disappears. The vanishing glass. Yeah. The title (laughs) of the chapter occurs and the snake is loose and free. And and then Dudley and Pierce are like, where's we? This all happened. And they like were being drama queens about it. And then of course, when they get back, they're like, what happened? And Harry can't explain it. And then they're like, you can't eat for a week because we're horrible humans. And they lock him in his cupboard. We touched on this already, but what comes to mind about him being punished for the glass disappearing? You know, some of these other things like his hair growing back and the shrinking sweater and things, those are... I mean, one could say that the glass probably is similar. It's not a direct change from anything that Harry is doing, you know? Well, yeah, it's not like they saw Harry raise his hands and try to voodoo the glass gone or... But this is the first thing that at least we know of, and I imagine probably one of the first things ever that has happened that caused a big thing in public, and there's... There's yeah, a, this is a big thing. There's a I mean, him ending up this. on the roof. 
at school, they thought he just was climbing the roof. Sure. Like, it's not like... And even Harry was like, oh, he was just trying to, like, jump behind some garbage bag. Right. And like I that. love what it says in the book. He's like, oh, the wind must have caught him. Which <laughs> is a cute thing for a young child to just think. Well, anyway. I even think, like, you know where you're when you're driving from, let's say, like, from home to work or vice versa, and you just are so used to doing the thing. Yeah. And you're lost in thought, or you're listening to music, or you're listening to this podcast, or whatever you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden you're home and you're like, oh, that was a quick Oh my God, that's, drive. that's, I mean, everyone I think yeah. can relate to that. Or like, you just get caught up in your mind. One could even say that, like, oh. I think you're right. I thought I was jumping by times and things, but I guess I must have mindlessly climbed this building. Right, I mean, so, I guess so. So everything else just does not seem to be as big deal as like letting you said. a snake disappear. It's like you said, though, because this is in public. It's also in public. There's all these people around. And one of those people around is Pierce, who's around all the time. If he hadn't been there, maybe it would be a little different because just a bunch of people at the London Zoo that yeah. they don't know or care about but this person who's around all the time that's weird you know yeah well and he, the other thing on top of that with peers because I, i'm sure we're gonna we're getting close to the movie segment yes but, almost there but um peers is not in the movie He's and, not in the movie. I'm fine with it. Yeah, me too. Who, cares? Who the fuck cares about Pierce? It's funny coming back to the books. Like, I've read the series a couple times, but I've watched the movies so many times. So that's obviously going to stick in my brain a little bit more. But it was kind of surprising to see, oh, there's some other douchebag here. But to Vernon and Petunia's point of view, perhaps not even Dudley's point of view, or I'm sorry, Fluffy Duddykins, because that's his name. Fluffy Duddykins. That's a lot of words. Fluffy Duddykins, just like McGuh. Oh my god. But to Vernon and Petunia, they know <laughs> what his background is. They know that there is wizardness in wizardness in his blood. There is magic in his blood. Right, magic? Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> yes. There's Where wizardness you in his for? blood. So they know that this is Harry. Like, how? What else would it be? Right. Fluffy Duddykins doesn't know, and Piers certainly doesn't know, that it's literally magic. Like, what else could you think? Yeah. You know, it well, just and, happened. And that's why they punish him. Again, that's not right that they do that, but that's why they punish him, because they know that's what it is. Yeah. And even though he doesn't know that's what it is, which is what makes it sad, because they know that's what it is. Well, and perhaps this is a vindictive thing. Some of the other things may not have necessarily been vindictive, like jumping on the roof is self-preservation mm-hmm. in, in a light form. I mean, I think the other ones are, too. They're yeah. kind of, they're a little uh, vain, I suppose. But yeah, yeah. I'm, but I'm sorry, like, small children don't like to be teased. So no yeah. one likes to be teased. Well, and in this point, it's like anger made him vanish the glass. Which is interesting which because is I think that that's the projection of the movie. Perhaps, because ha- Hagrid because does say at the one point, anything, has anything happened when you were scared or... Because he goes, I'm going to read from the book. Dudley came waddling toward them as fast as he could. Out of the way, you, he said, punching Harry in the ribs. Caught by surprise, Harry fell hard on the concrete floor. What came next happened so fast, no one saw how it happened. One second, Pierce and Dudley were leaning right up close to the glass. The next, they had leapt back with howls of horror. Harry sat up and gasped. The glass front of the boat constrictor's tank had vanished. So again, it doesn't even say that Harry was like... How dare you? Well, maybe, but he got punched in the ribs. and Right. So... It's just very interesting because this is weird stuff happening around him. Like, Harry actively wishes to be safe from bullies. He actively wishes 
to not look like an idiot with his haircut or this disgusting sweater. So, like, he probably actively wished that Dudley hadn't pushed him on the ground. The reactionary thing that happened, the magic of the glass vanishing, was not exactly what Harry wished for. He did not wish for the snake to be free when his react his reaction was, I probably, I wish that my cousin wouldn't have pushed me out of the way because I was actually interacting with some human, with yeah. some being, you know. I think that is a little bit of fear perhaps yeah. or you know whatever it is but it's the first time where it as far as we know uh impacts dudley well yeah i mean dudley could have been hurt sure the snake could have been like yeah dinner for six weeks yeah know? but because duddykins is fluffy don't forget <laughs> don't forget that's his name you have to call him fluffy duddykins i'm just gonna call him fluffy there's well no fluffy there's already coming. a fluffy you fluffy can't <laughs> Fluffy kids. I don't know. D- Fluffy Duddykins is his. Fluffy Duddykins is his Christian name. So <laughs> Jesus. That's what you have to So, um, I'm gonna wrap up this chapter. Like, feel free to respond to what what I'm saying because this is what I like to do at the end of chapters or the end of things is be depressing. Do you know what's really sad is the end of this chapter? Yeah. Because the chapter is about how Harry used to wish that he had other family that would come and take him away. And he realizes that that's not going to happen. And, like, all of this really sad stuff. Like, how he didn't have anyone at school because he was, Dudley, like, Dudley's gang hated him and no one wanted to tangle with Dudley's gang. Like, how he just doesn't have anyone and it Man, makes me really sad. This brings up so many other points that I wish we had time for, but we definitely don't. Because <laughs> I have to edit this later. <laughs> and last time I edited an episode, I did it in, like, ten minutes spurts and it took forever. But... I mean, it brings up things like, how do people in the school not know what's going on at home? Or other no things No one asks like, about this, like, why is this child so tiny compared to someone sure. else with? Or does, I mean, maybe it goes back to what you said about how Dully isn't able to ask questions, but, like, why isn't he telling anybody? Maybe it's it could be just an intrinsic thing of being a victim of this This is a super stuff. abusive household. Yeah, it really so is. So freaking abusive. So there's that, but then I also think of like the comparison to the snake and you know the Oh, the, I love yeah, I love how being in like, captivity yeah. and what made me think of it there is the foreshadowing of like I wish another family would come take me away like don't worry, Harry. Someone will take you away very soon. Just wait a couple chapters. A large hairy man will come and steal you. So, um... That's what you always wanted. (laughs) That's what you've always wanted, exactly. And you'll be on the motorbike, and you'll be like, oh yeah, for my dreams, so I know it's okay. (laughs) But there's a lot of different aspects here. It's so much easier to pick and choose things out of this chapter because now it's blooming a little bit more to life you know the last one we had purely here are these fucking horrible humans and here are these lovely magical humans and we know what's about to happen but here it's so much easier to see like the high low points of the chapter right i think that this this end point is a great launch pad for what we're about to experience in the next few chapters which oh, yeah, are some absolutely. of my favorite chapters ever i know um, like, I'm sure that I've said this in the first episode. Again, I should know this because I edited the first episode. It's been a while. It's been a while. The, the next few chapters, like, of him going to Diagon Alley and the boats across the lake and the sorting ceremony, it makes me think of Christmas. I don't know why, but it does. <laughs> and I like Christmas. So So do you want to um, end the chapter discussion with that? Yeah, I think <laughs> we're definitely going to see more depressing, hairy moments, of course. Uh, don't, just you can count on me to be like here's the really sad thing about this chapter. Well, I'm get ready for chat for the seventh book. Where- <laughs> 
here's here's all the sad things about I will this just chapter. cry. I'll probably cry in this book. It's fine. But I'll smack her until you're stuck, because I'm a Slytherin. He has feelings, too. Don't let him fool you. Um, That's how I project my feelings. I, I know this. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's lying. I don't actually smack her. Oh, yeah. You might want to edit Anyways, let's that. end this um, chapter let's about abuse. Let's edit that out. <laughs> Okay, so I think the book-to-movie comparison is probably going to be pretty simple like last chapter. But first of all, I want to talk about the chapter and like how it's how it's taken care of in the movie. And then we can talk about Daniel Radcliffe because this is our first introduction yes, to Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. But first, let's talk about how well this chapter is covered in the movie. And again, I'm going to give... I'm, the first movie is going to get a lot of thumbs up from me. I think it's very well done. Yeah, I think so too. Something I said in the first episode was like, how are they going to keep put all these extra details in. How are they going to depict the family life of the Dursleys and everything as I think that they, well? But I think they do. They like, really do. Oh, and it's also our first experience with, with Harry Melling as well as Dudley. Because, yeah. you know, he's not in the first part either. I think, like, the literally the first, the very beginning of the chapter, that scene of the movie starts with Petunia, like, banging on the door. And everything is just exactly what you expect from the book. Him jumping up and down on the stairs. I know, which... And the dust coming out uh, of the it's, it's really great storytelling, I think. I think that all of that's really great. I will say one of my favorite changes that they made with that chapter is when he totally goes to breakfast and he's just like, how many presents are there? Like, bitch doesn't even count his own presents. He's lazy. Oh, uh, that's right. He counts Where them in the book. He's like, Where are my presents? He's like, how many are there? And then he like throws this fit, which is exactly what he does but i just love I, I love the subtle change of they ain't got time to show that dudley is counting 36 presents dudley he doesn't counts. know how to count right. 36 okay right so i love that he's like well how many are there and I just, they should have just been like 39 oh okay right? good, they thank really, you like if, if he's if he's not counting his own presents lazy bitch lie to him he would forget by the right? end he, he would get distracted <laughs> So, yeah, and then obviously we talked about how Pierce is not in the movie and how we just, that's fine. It's a character that just like, does not it, need to be It there. takes out any of the explanation. The, the biggest loss of this is actually the explanation of Mrs. Fig because they just set it up for Harry to go to the zoo with him instead of saying he wouldn't be otherwise, but Mrs. Fig, the lady who usually takes him, can't because she hurt herself and there's really no way to do that and still make it great or interesting storytelling like no one gives a shit and when that movie came out the fifth book did not exist which is the next time she's yes. an important character and that was the first time she shows up in the movies too is in the fifth movie correct right yeah because she doesn't so, come and she doesn't really come in yeah. and she's she's later on in this book but she's not that's kind of what I'm enjoying about the book a little bit more is these little references of rereading it where yeah. you get to see, oh my gosh, they mentioned Sirius Black in the first I chapter. Know. And, and they're they, like, ah! <laughs> mentioned Mrs. Fig and fucking Marge and stuff like that in this chapter. And it's like, oh, these like little... It's brilliant. Foreshadowing bits are starting to pop up, which is really, really lovely. I think I agree that Mrs. Fig missing from here... Is... It's not a tragedy, but it's it's a little sad when we meet her again, spoiler, in the fifth movie, because it, we don't get an explanation. But I, will, I don't really know that they could have done a better job with that anyway, and how mm -hmm. you would have remembered 
five books later. Yeah. Or so that's fine. But I, I feel like if there's one thing missing from that chapter that would have been a good thing, it's it's the explanation right. is fake. I like that, first of all, it gives a little bit more of an everyday quality because mm-hmm. the person living two stories two stories down, <laughs> no, that's not right, two, two houses down could also be magical. Like, you, you never know. But it also bears the thought, perhaps Dumbledore put Mrs. Fig there on this street. I think, that, and when we get there, we're definitely going to have that conversation. Yeah. But yes. Like, Dumbledore has that power. And Dumbledore is amazing. He wants someone to look after him. Dumbledore ain't stupid. He knows that these people are fucking assholes. So, but some things have to be cut. It's not a tragedy to me. I totally understand. And again, at this point, she literally was just a crazy cat lady. There's yeah. no reason for the directors and writers of this movie to think that you need to worry about who Mrs. Fig is. Let's be clear. There's nothing crazy about a cat lady. Oh, this is so true. <laughs> cat so cat true. ladies are very intelligent. I love cat ladies. People. <laughs> so yes, there's Mrs. Fig, there's Piers, who we didn't need. Obviously, we didn't need Piers. Oh, they um, compare him to a rat. They say that he has a little yes. rat face. And of course, we learn about another rat face later who is also a dick so (laughs) that's interesting but like also in the fifth book the next time that we see some of fluffy duddykin's friends we all know how he is you know if you're only watching the movies you can tell that this kid is unfortunately probably a popular kid at school who has equally terrible friends that i don't miss the one other thing that does not happen in the book that happens in the movie is that the glass reappears. Yeah, I think that they use that for like just kind of the effect of it. It's a humor thing. I think that they're using it for humor purposes. I also feel like it it's more of a reason for Harry to get punished. Well, and the other thing is like Harry, after Dudley pushes him out of the way, he looks over and sends him one of those little glares. Mm. Like, And then he like chuckles and laughs. At but I, I think that that's progressive storytelling too, because I, he and the snake flat out have a conversation, which they have to do to establish that because I don't think it would read as well if you have Harry look at the snake and then the snake winks at him. We don't know to look for the snake to be winking at him. You know, we're like, wait, why did that snake wink at him? Whereas this kind of tells the story a little more. Um, And it doesn't, it doesn't hurt any kind of plotting, you know, Dudley getting stuck behind the glass thing, I think is, is literally them just being like, this is amusing storytelling. Cause also the snake is not behind the glass anymore. That snake is snapping people's feet, having a good old time. Or I'm just like, go snake. You have fun. You were bred in captivity. (laughs) You get back to Buenos Aires. (laughs) What did it say Um, in the book? In the book, Brazil? Brazil, yeah. And in the movie, it's Burma. Yeah. I think. Why do I, how do I know that stuff? Anyway, so I, <laughs> those are, but those are the biggest changes. There's, I think that this, that this chapter is a thumbs up in the movie because it does effectively tell the story without really hurting any elements down the road. This first movie is real safe. It has nowhere to be coming from. So I right. will take it. We'll take it. But I do want to talk about the actors. If you have anything else before. Oh, yeah. Talk, I, I don't know if you have anything so. else to say about the actual no i think you're right um it didn't have anywhere to get to also the story has just become so much more complex it's gonna be disappointing because there are things that are cut yeah in the future we're gonna get real passionate about it yeah (laughs) there's considerably less to cut here so there are still some things that are cut sure that we'll get to sure but but i agree i think this, this book is gonna be pretty safe 
Harry Melling playing Dudley. I don't know how, where I read this, but I guess he had auditioned to play Crab or Goyle. Yes, I heard this too. They probably were just like, no, we want you to play Dudley. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but I know he had auditioned for those roles and he got Dudley. And I think he's perfect. I really enjoyed him. I think he's having fun. I think that out of all of the people in the story who gets to just be like a side character that we don't follow very much. I think he has to be having so much fun. <laughs> like you get to throw a fit. You get to scream and cry about stuff. And he's like, that sounds fun. In the books, I mean, they talk about obviously him being a bully and punching Harry and things like that. But they really pay so much attention to his, to how he looks. I mentioned earlier this episode that it's constant. It was like a lot how much of how fat he is. And that yeah. continues to grow, which I think is cheap shot. I just saw a movie where like the bumbling cop was fat and it was like fat equals stupid. Or in this case, yeah. a little bit like that. And I then, think that that's an easy trope to fall into. And it's, it's a, I hate those kind of negative tropes. And I, I think that had JK Rowling written these books 10 years later, I don't think she would have fallen into no. those tropes. But I think that the film does a better job. Yes, he's still a little bit pudgy. There are other times that I think of, like at the beginning of Prisoner of Azkaban, where he's eating and he's not paying attention to his aunt being blown up or whatever. I, I think it's funny, but yes. I it's funny and it's wonderful, but it's nowhere near to where the book takes it. The book yeah. takes it to a much cartoonish level. You can't really do that in the movies, I suppose. Right. But um, I don't know. I like the portrayal here a lot better. Who else? So yeah, and then Daniel Radcliffe. This is our first Daniel Radcliffe as Harry eight minutes into the movie or something. This is something that I just thought of, but I think I need to mention it on here. And my sister Natalie is probably not going to appreciate this if she listens to it. But I remember when this movie first came out and our grandparents took us to go see Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And my sister had a crush on little tiny Daniel Radcliffe. And there was a hamper in one of our bathrooms. And she carved I Love Harry Potter into the hamper. Because she had a crush on Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> and it was this Daniel Radcliffe, the very first like one. Like baby Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Aww. I mean, what's, what's not to say... There are a lot of people who online have issues with his look. His hair isn't curly and long and, and messy enough or whatever it is. I it's hate ridiculous. how people respond to him. So for me, literally that scene where he's lying there under the stairs or whatever and he opens his eyes and you get your first glimpse of this child. The first look I got of him when I saw the movie and I was much older than you when I saw this movie. Two years. <laughs> Only two years. When I was a senior in high school when this movie came out. And I just read the first three books. That's all that was. First four books. Because that's all that was out. But I remember thinking. And I was at the movie with my high school boyfriend at the time. His name was Tim. Who was the person who made me read those books. I remember looking at him and being like. This is exactly what. Like we looked at him. We were so excited. Like we'd already been so excited about Dame Maggie Smith. And Richard Harris already on the screen. You know. And just like we'd already seen in the very beginning but now we see this this child and we were already excited about him as Harry and a lot of people were upset because he had blue eyes but later on in the story when they're like oh Harry got tall and Daniel Radcliffe did not get tall bless him <laughs> he can't help that you know yeah but well, I will tell you his acting is really very strong you know that was not his first major project sure we were discussing earlier about how 
Maggie Smith was the one who brought him in after doing David Copperfield with him. And there are actually several actors who have done the Harry Potter movies who were in the David Copperfield BBC special. But I thought he, you know, like from, from the very beginning, I really felt like he was very strong and I absolutely was sold. The second that he yeah. opened his mouth. and I don't know if I have much more to add to that. Like, not to go back to the appearances thing, because I feel like that is really the one thing that, <laughs> that I think differs from the book. People being angry about the color of his eyes, whatever. But then later in the films, when they're like, oh, you have your mother's eyes, and it does, like, the superimposed hairy eyes next to... Yeah. And it's like, no. Well, but, you know, you, you <laughs> found this wonderful fixed, actor. But... Well, that was something that could have been fixed with... They had tried, I guess, colored contacts for him. Or, he like, do it. Give, him to the, give him to Lily, you know? Well, and that was the other thing, is, like, when you finally have these Lily moments, and it's these... Not to say that you don't want the perfect actress. When you chose Harry, you have to choose an actor who's going to grow up with this story that you don't even know how it ends yet. Don't want to assume that there are dozens of beautiful red-headed women out there who can play Lily, but find one with blue eyes. Yeah. Or one that can wear, yeah, wear the contacts. contacts. Yeah. Or because she never really appears as a person because she's already dead. She's in the mirror and she's whatever. Yeah. We're, we're spoiling a lot of things. Superimpose that. Yeah. Like you, can, you can do more with that. You can't do that with Daniel if he's literally the focus of the movies or yeah. I don't know I'm not a movie expert so no, I guess I'm stepping outside right. my somebody else who begins watching the movie and has no knowledge of the books like later on even like when they say you have your mother's eyes it's like that's something that someone who isn't a potterhead will pick up on <laughs> like, right there are some shots that little literally shoot between Harry and Lily and it's like no that is maybe if I had to take one thing and that's not even from this chapter because we don't even see Lily it's no just a, it's just a talking point off of the choice of Daniel Radcliffe and it, it isn't even dependent on the choice so next I think is um who got house points and who won or lost the yes so, do you want me to go first with you mine? go first cool so assigning house points for this chapter is going to be a little bit more difficult because even though this chapter is a lot more colorful, there's a lot more backstory, uh, there's just more to work with uh, in our main discussions, there are less people to give house points to. First of all, I'm going to give five points to Mrs. Fig. I know that we barely see anything about her and don't even know that she's magical yet, but I know who she is, so I'm going to give her some points because she made an appearance early. I did something similar last episode with Sirius Black, yeah. Black, so... This is my podcast, and I'm going to choose who I want to give pod podcasts to. And I'm going to choose who I want to give house points to. So five points for Mrs. Fig, because she's a cat lady, and cat ladies are awesome. I'm going to take ten points away from Vernon and Petunia, because they are child abusers. While Dudley is just as bad, I feel like he is not quite as in tune to why they hate Harry so much much yet. Some of the magical things that he does perhaps aren't quite as noticeable to Dudley. Some of it is could very well just be upbringing and him seeing his parents be terrible and abusive and it's not excusable but right now because I'm going to take points away from two people and give points to two people, Dudley is safe but he will get points taken away probably in the future. And then the other person that I have to give points to obviously is the snake. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say 
you're gonna give the snake points and do it. <laughs> Obviously, I have to give points to the snake because go house Slytherin. No, because, <laughs> because he was also bred in captivity, and hey, he gets free. to be free. And I'm pretty sure, from your point of view, that Harry is probably going to win the chapter. Well, uh, thanks for doing my job for me. Sure. So I was actually torn between who was going to win the chapter, between the snake and Harry. So I guess now I'm just giving the chapter to Harry. Um, <laughs> what if you made the snake win the chapter? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Harry is delightful, and I'm giving him the win. He doesn't really earn a win this chapter. I mean, he does because he's the only non-asshole we spend time with. So I guess he can have the win. He doesn't do anything exciting. Except for he's he not an asshole. He makes the glass vanish. He makes the glass vanish. So he wins because he... He makes his hair grow back. He, <laughs> because he releases a snake into the wild. He jumps onto a roof. Can you do that? <laughs> so Harry wins the chapter. I don't even need to explain why because it's already been done. You're well. I don't know why I do this. Um, I'm only choosing one Dursley to lose the chapter, and it's actually going to be Vernon. No one is surprised. I thought you were going to choose Dudley. I thought <laughs> you were going to do the same thing that I did no. and be like, you took away from Vernon and no. <laughs> uh, Petunia, so let's make Dudley. No, I, I, I'm giving the loss to Vernon. He's physically abusive with Harry in this chapter, as well as encourages Dudley to throw fits. Of course, he has no like paternal instincts toward Harry, but he clearly doesn't really have them toward Dudley either. He's like, oh, it's really cute that you think you deserve more presents. I'm going to encourage that. Like, that's terrible parenting, says the person who has never you been a parent. You have a cat. We've covered this Yes, already. I spoiled that cat. <laughs> Is the name of this episode going to be something like... Because we cats brought it up several times. Too. <laughs> cats are children. People are not going to understand that at all. <laughs> I don't care. But don't put this in the episode. Just leave it as the chapter title. <laughs> so, yeah. So, my... Winner, Harry, by default. Harry might win a lot of episodes by default, but he will actually earn wins, too. And Vernon, because he was the worst of all bads, bad peoples. Well uh, said. <laughs> I, have, I have good language skills. So that's going to wrap up this chapter. We're going to get back to recording very soon. Yes, we actually have a schedule. Chapter three. <laughs> yes. Which, what is the title of that chapter, Adam? <laughs> In the next episode, we rec- we'll cover Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Chapter 3, The Letters from No One. Is that what it's called? Yes. Le- thank God. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm not going to like look at it and forget. <laughs> That's the kind of thing I would do. Hopefully we'll keep our shit together a little better on the next episode. And by the time we finish this book, we might have some kind of semblance of something. We better. already have a semblance. This we is great. We so great. Okay, bye. Bye. Everyone. <laughs> oh my God.